It's the X of 52 podcast presented as always by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. My name is Jake Luke and I'm joined on my screen by my two football boys, by Gentle Spen Crenshaw and by Brian Black. Gentlemen, it is officially week two. Ravens are 1-0. We're just going to be making this a weekly tradition here where we come in here, we talk about a game, and then the Ravens go win it. Hopefully. We'll see where the other uh, predictions shake out. Uh, Spenny, how we doing? Doing well. Fired up for a divisional game. The overall feel of this is a little sloppy. We have some weird comments going on. This This whole appetizer thing that Todd Munkin and Odell, but I don't know what I have no idea what they're saying. It's like, is there animosity here or is this just a bunch of word salad? I don't know. It's this weirdest. I don't, I'm very perplexed by that, but ultimately fired up tonight. We have Eagles Vikings, a super fun matchup. And yeah, I placed way too big of a stupid parlay on it. That'll probably lose. So we're back, baby. We're, we're back. This is the first real Thursday night game. Like last week was, that's not real Thursday night football. This is like, you're kind of. Uh, you're kind of giving me some some Michael Burry vibes, Christian Bale in the big short with those headphones on right now. There you go. I could uh, <laughs> I could really short some uh, some DeAndre Swift unders right now. Yeah, it's me and uh, you know the the wide receiver bubble, him in the housing market. Brian, you're uh, I mean, speaking of markets, you're just you're addicted to the grind right now. You haven't even left the office. Dialing in here to talk some Ravens. How's it going? It's going well. I uh, it's weird, like. This was such a circle it on your calendar type of game when the schedule came out. And it seems like Baltimore is a little distracted. It's not the right word at all, but there, we, we got our eyes on two different balls right now. And the excitement and the revenge factor and all those things for this Bengals game is, yep, that, that only took two, two minutes and 20 seconds to drop that one. Um, yeah, the excitement factors is not quite there the way that I thought it might be, and that might speak to the performance of, of the Ravens um, in week one. Um, but the Bengals look like a dead dog last week. I mean, that's that's a football team that's not going to win any games if they play like that. So one of those things where, um, you know, I don't feel like either either side is, is riding too high with their football team, and it's a little bit of uh, – um, it's like the opposite version of the un- unmovable object and the unstoppable force or whatever that saying is. Yeah, we'll just like see who can who can like figure out their stink and fix it a little bit better. You're saying this is a meeting between a stoppable force and a movable object. An object that can be moved and a force that can be stopped. It's just, <laughs> it, you know, nothing extraordinary about this at I'm all. I'm trying to wrap my head around that one. Uh I don't think that that means anything. Those two things An together. unstoppable force and an immovable object. I don't think that means anything either. I think we're kind of just... Those you know, things suddenly have no relationship to each other. Yeah. They're just objects. They're just floating in, in space. Maybe apropos. They're just objects. It's like the scientists talking to Tony Soprano. Things are just bouncing around the universe completely randomly, and there's no connection whatsoever. Really uplifting stuff, but yeah, here on a Thursday <laughs> night. But yeah, I mean, it is... Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It was just kind of a... Definitely a dud of a week one for the Bengals who just went into Cincinnati and just kind of let it run down their leg a little bit. And, um, yeah, I mean, they, they just kind of got punked by that Browns defense. And then Sean Watson didn't look great when you go back and watch that game, but the Browns offense just kind of did what they have done under Stefanski, and they uh, kind of put a hat on a hat, and they, they got it done there. So Bengals looked bad in week one. Ravens looked good in some areas, not so good in some other areas. There's things to clean up. There's stuff going on in the locker room. Spenny, just overall – uh, vibes compared to what you would have thought going to this matchup? Because I think Brian raises a good point. We're looking at it on the calendar. You would have circled it, but now it's kind of like 
both teams hoping to just kind of get through this one and survive it. Yeah, these teams play a lot of sloppy games like this historically. It always has a weird feel. I feel like they so often play at 1 p.m. on a Sunday, and it's super sunny, and it's a weird vibe overall up there in Paycor Stadium now. The the Bengals finally changing the naming rights of that so they can pay one Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow obviously coming off of his monster contract. little talking point. Little little media buzz here today. Joey Burrow had to go get a haircut. His hair did look ridiculous. Like, good, good, really good move by him, and good move to acknowledge it's because he didn't play well. Like uh, Joe Burrow, like I've gotten on him a little bit about some of the fire fits and like the haircut, like the '90s villain kind of thing. Good on him to have that mea culpa there and say, you know what, I didn't, I, I played like shit. It's time to just be like uh, a guy who could be working at Deloitte tomorrow, not like you know I, I could walk onto the set of uh, what's your show, the Karate Kid thing. And, you know, Cobra Kai, yeah, Cobra Kai and be like an extra. So good, good on Joe Burrow, but continue. Yeah. So like to see that when I go watch this game, the Browns handling the Bengals, the Browns corners really stuck it to those receivers for four quarters. They did not let the whole 50, 50 ball Joe Burrow lobbing one off the sideline uh, benefit the Bengals. They were prepared for it. They played nice, tight inside leverage, didn't really give it up or prepared to funnel things to the inside. Burrow, it was a rainy day. Definitely didn't look mobile. So hopefully it's not uh, the start of something new with Burrow cutting his hair and, and getting back into shape and into form. The Bengals will have their home opener, so I'm sure they'll be fired up for that one. Definitely feeling like they're trying to become, we were talking about last night on the flagship pod, like the the big brother effect. Like Bengals win this game a little bit. They, they probably are going to be talking some shit, I feel like. Next time they play, they're going to feel pretty validated in this budding rivalry that's been going on. So with that, the Ravens haven't really been able to have a clean win against this team and since really what 2019 the, the Lamar spin move um since Joe Burrow was really drafted actually excuse me they they had the one his rookie year where they kind of handled business Joe Burrow ends up uh tearing his ACL that year so that was the last time so Ravens need to have some sort of clean operation here last week so sloppy we hear Todd Munkin talk about it the whole undercooked appetizer thing I don't even want to get into that again it puts my brain in a blender but Snap operations, getting to the line of scrimmage, basic foundational elementary peewee schoolyard bullshit. Get to the line of scrimmage, get ready, have the snap count down pat. You know, you usually use a little bit more silent count on the road, things of that nature, especially in a home opener. So uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't played the Bengals all too often or really the Steelers in the last couple of years here. So let's see what he can do up in Cincinnati and if this offense can take a step forward without two of its starting offensive linemen and, and down to J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, first meeting between these two teams since last year with the fumble in the jungle. Obviously, the Ravens beat them once in the regular season. Uh, Bengals kind of completed the uh, rubber match, uh, as it were, by winning in Cincinnati uh, and then you know winning in, in Cincinnati again with Tyler Huntley uh, at the controls there. Uh, Brian, you got a lot of hate in your heart. Um, this is a rivalry. Where is this kind of registering for you right now? How much hate is this Cincinnati Bengals franchise taking up in that that Irish it's, Catholic heart of yours? It's pretty high, and I feel like I'm a little unsatisfied by the fact that the Bengals are kind of like a wounded dog right now that aren't really flying high and, and feeling themselves the way that they have the last couple of years. Um, but the, the hate is there for sure. And... Um, you know, the, the way that last season played out and us making the postseason, but really knowing we didn't really have a fighting chance to go do much with that, I think I'd flush that playoff loss um, up until maybe yesterday when I just saw some player comments about how they're out for revenge and um, how they have unfinished business and that type of thing. 
And all those feelings came rushing back about how we just beat them up and down the field there in Cincinnati and had them dead to rights. And just, just obviously it's a Tyler Huntley, you know, goal line extension. That's the difference between us kind of stealing their soul. And we probably would have gone on next week and gotten rolled. Um, but we would have been able to hold that over their heads. And I, it's just such a missed opportunity and a win on Sunday is not necessarily going to make up for that by any means, but it's going to go a long way to us reclaiming the AFC North, which I know is the end goal, but obviously there's a bigger, picture at hand there with Cleveland putting the performance on that they did but um I digress I yeah no I hate these guys I hate them to death they I mean the Steelers don't don't move the needle the way they used to the Bengals they're they're kind of the guys to beat between the last two three seasons and uh um we're gonna have it out for them for sure yeah, with the Steelers, it's always going to run in my blood a little bit, but there's always a respect there with the Steelers, and I don't know, it feels like the last decade or so, it's been either the Browns or the Bengals kind of having that kind of new money affectation a little bit, where they come in and they have a little bit of success, and they start to feel themselves almost way more than Steelers fans ever do feel themselves. So Steelers fans, there's always just kind of this very consistent, uh, almost, you know, flatline or whatever of smugness that is just kind of ingrained in them, but they don't always go over the top with it. Whenever it's like a Browns fan or, you know, Browns fans for a couple year stretch there with Mayfield, uh, which really didn't amount to much. Now Bengals fans actually have accomplished a little bit. You got to give them credit, but yeah, their fan base is feeling themselves and they are, uh, they are quite something to, uh, to observe. And uh, yeah, I mean, the hate is there for me too. Uh, it, It would be nice to, serve them a little bit of humble pie. I feel like they're already kind of feeling it right now after that week one. I haven't seen them popping off very much uh, in comparison to usual, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I think a a wounded duck on one side and a wounded dog on the other side. And uh, what a visual that would be for a battle. And that's, (laughs) that's what we're going to see jumping into it uh, proper here. Bengals offense, Spenny kind of touched on it a little bit. Weirdly, they just released Lyle Collins, so he is not going to be a part of their offensive line moving forward. They had their issues last week with uh, Cleveland's edge rushers, Zedarius Smith, one of them, uh, kind of having his way with them. And, you know, the receivers are all still there, but it kind of, it almost, Spenny to me, harkens back to that meme with uh, A, Panay Sewell, B, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow throwing, and, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it kind of felt like that played out a little bit this past Sunday, although you really can't question them picking Jamar Chase, but it does seem like every now and then with them, you have stretches where their offensive line isn't looking great. How are you feeling about how they looked against the Brownies and how the Ravens' pass rush, lacking at times, I would say, against the Texans, can really step up and have a consistent effort here? Yeah, Joe Burrow didn't really didn't look mobile at all. He looked like a guy that has a calf injury. He looked like a guy that missed some time. And the Bengals, we've talked about a couple times, really just slow starters, especially offensively. Going back to 2022, the Bengals put up seven, or excuse me, 20 in week one, 17 in week two. Going back to 2021, they put up 27, which is their highest output, and 17. And then going all the way back to 2020, they put up 13. Uh, and then 26. So not a team that's put forth a lot of high-flying efforts that they might be known for. And I think that's the secret identity of this offense is scoring 17 to like 27 points and having a really disciplined defense that they can play off of. Burrow faced absolute harassment from Jim Schwartz's defense. Miles Garrett had himself a day, uh, wasn't really able to get comfortable, didn't have a lot of zip or velocity on the ball. It felt like he didn't feel comfortable planting. Uh, Joe Mixon looked a little frisky. Looks like he he was ready to pop some pads and run. They ran a good bit of power. They were able to go uh, get some tough yards a couple of times, but just really had nothing going as a career low performance in terms of passing yards for Joe Burrow. Deshaun Watson on the other side looked awful. I don't know if it was the rain, rust, you know, week one jitters, all of it. So 
a really crappy offensive performance on both sides of the football in that game. And now you're looking at T. Higgins, who didn't get anything going, is in a contract year. You're looking at Jamar Chase, who definitely wants to get paid. You know, those guys want to get things right. I feel like uh, Baltimore Ravens defense that doesn't have a Denzel Ward. And, you know, the Browns also have Martin Emerson and uh, first round pick Greg Newsome, who I was super high on. Those guys went out and gave it to the Browns receivers. It felt like they were kind of anticipating Burrow to not be beating them over the middle of the field and throwing with confidence. So they're like, all right, we're going to force you to the sideline. We're going to give you the inside a little bit if you want to go beat that. And, uh, Hey, go, go lob up some ducks for us and we'll go smack them out of bounds. So they hit Burrow. The Joe Mixon, I, Joe Mixon is like the most frustrating running back. He's, he's kind of in that Najee Harris class of like, if he were two steps faster, he might be like an 1800 yard back one season at some point, but he's just not. So like he can beat you up, but he's really not flipping the field a ton. Uh, it just felt like an offense that lacked any confidence, lacked any real uh, oomph. Their offensive line has some some new combinations. Obviously, Orlando Brown Jr. there, Jonah Williams on the right side now. So trying to figure that out up front. Zadarius uh, Smith got a ton of pressure. Miles Garrett got a ton of pressure. We've all seen the Hezzy crossover video that's been circulating around. Miles Garrett had himself a day. That was sick. So it was. It was a really fun performance by the Browns defense. They just hit the shit out of Joe Burrow and receivers and out physicaled them on a slippery day. I liken it to the Ravens game in the sense it was like there wasn't really any, I'll put Nick Chubb maybe as the one guy that stood out in the entire game, but there wasn't anybody that was like jettisoning down the field and creating explosive plays and flipping the field. It, it was just a wet, messy kind of day. Deshaun Watson threw a pick that I thought was the worst interception I ever saw in my life until I realized it was tipped. I couldn't really tell in all 22 and I had to go watch the like broadcast tape for it. But um, on the, the offensive side of football for the Bengals, They've got to get timing going, and it's the same story for the Ravens' offense, but the Bengals have to get some timing going. If Burrow isn't in shape, whether that's injury, rust, lack of time, physical exercise, whatever, stamina, whatever, got to get the ball out. Have to get the ball out. Have to get the ball out quick, and that should probably help. I don't think you're going to see the Ravens going up and trying to press a ton. Uh, we might end up seeing the Ravens try and utilize a lot safer shells, cover four shells, cover two shells, where – the maybe the corners can press a little bit and they're going to dare Joe Burrow to beat them in the honey hole between Geno Stone and Kyle Hamilton and uh, beat them, you know, in that, that 15 to 25 intermediate area on the sideline and, and Burrow can time the ball up. It just like, that's his strength. He, he's never had a ton of zip. So to take away what he did have because of that calf, if that's the case really puts him in a weird spot. Um, very strange offensive performance. We have seen a ton of talk about Mike McDonald and what he's been able to do against the Bengals the last uh, couple of matchups they've had. The three that they had last year were three of Joe Burrow's worst performances in terms of efficiency and really just limiting explosive plays. So it feels like uh, we're going to get round round four, an extension of last year, where it's them putting the lid on the Bengals, asking the Bengals to nick and dime and cut and slice them for – 8, 15, 12, 5, 7 yards all the way down and go convert in the, the goal-to-go situations. The Ravens can stop the run proficiently. You're super confident about the Ravens' defensive line right now, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, their ability to go fit it up. So I think it's going to be you know a, a game where the Bengals will have a good day if they score, if they sustain two touchdown drives. That's that's kind of the maybe where I'm looking to. If the Bengals can go the distance 
from the you know their own 35, their own 25, and sustain two touchdown drives, I think that puts them in a good spot. I think they would be happy with that result. Um, the Ravens aren't going to let them have those deep shots that they like to take, and I don't know that Burrow's confident right now anyway taking those. Feels like a big game to me for these two inside linebackers for the reason of you mentioned the Joe Burrow mobility and that's already going to be a limiting factor I think a little bit which is a good thing for a Ravens team that could use some help against this offense that they've struggled with at times in the last couple of years and a guy who really has shown an ability to escape in big situations and a, you know big money downs and things like that I remember he had like a third down run against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship a couple of years ago that basically like kept them in that game and helped them go into the Super Bowl and it's going to be big being able to, to rein him in. And like, I don't know based upon what we saw, if you're going to be able to do that. And if you're going to be able to finish these sacks, so Owe had a tremendous game last week, but he still was not able to finish sacks. I mean, David Ojabo helped close the game out there with the strip sack and everything. And then Matabike getting involved, some of these other guys getting involved, but I don't know, man. That's why you go and acquire a Roquan Smith and you pay him what you do. That's why you have a Patrick queen get drafted in the first round, start to develop into what he is. I think McDonald, Getting creative in his usage of these guys uh, in an effort to corral Burrow is going to be very important. Brian, what are you looking for out of this defense, out of Uncle Roe and the boys and their smelling salts uh, on this Sunday? Just like more of the same that I saw last Sunday. I just want to see a lot of swarm to the football. I think um, they kept everybody in front of them. They've obviously had the well-documented struggles with Jamar Chase, and um, you know even Marlon Humphrey's been a part of that, and uh, we're not going to be seeing him as part of the defense this week, but um i'm just i'm just excited to see them just with their teeth again not that they didn't have that down the down the stretch last season but um we really manhandled them in in the playoff game last year it didn't really show so much in that week 18 game or whatever it was but um that seems to be the formula to really disrupt the Bengals or really any offense if you get down to it but um they uh yeah i think we just play our bully ball baltimore football and and uh and make Joe Burrow uncomfortable, try to make him make plays that he's quite frankly not physically capable of making right now, um, like you had mentioned, and uh, just make him uncomfortable and uh, let's force some turnovers again. Like that, that That's fun. That's always a good time, right? Spenny, what's a good way to force some turnovers on this offense? Because I feel like splash plays is kind of a, a big deal. 100%. The Browns blitzed the hell out of Joe Burrow. They blitzed him on 39% of his dropbacks. Burrow went 3 of 12 for... 23 yards, average 1.9 yards per attempt last week. So getting him on the move, hitting him, as we mentioned, it is continuing to be dynamic in those pressure looks, being able to, to bring pressure and drop defenders off anywhere. Burrow made some comments in his press availability, his media availability this week that basically said they show things every single week or every single matchup against them that we haven't seen before. So you can go backtrack plug a hole and then it's this chess match this growing game of well mike mcdonald anticipates you to shift your protection to pick something up or have an indicator a certain way and so he also advances so it's felt like uh you know from what burrow's comments led me to it was like okay they have to figure out how to take two steps forward they have to anticipate then you're getting into that deep deep 4d meme of the mind exploding chess so I think it's it's definitely being able to bait Joe Burrow into throwing over the middle of the field after you've hit him a couple of times, make him feel like he can't take those deep shots, hit him a couple of times, get those free rushers, 
and then bait throws over the middle. Use those linebackers you mentioned. Use those safeties. Have them come up, play a little bit of robber out of two high looks. So you sit in that cover two or that cover four shell. You switch to a robber look after the snap and have a Geno Stone or a Kyle Hamilton come downhill and sit in the post and bring a little bit of pressure and hope that Joe Burrow maybe throws one over the middle of the field. I think it's being a little bit risky to force some turnovers. Um, you know, that would be my next anticipation. So curious to see how much time Kyle Hamilton spends in the post in single high looks, as opposed to down as, you know, a, a rat or, uh, you know, playing that vertical up the seam in the slot, things like that. So curious to see what the next step is, but ultimately, you know, you're confident in Michael Pierce, Justin Matabike, Travis Jones, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton, and, you know, Geno Stone's no, no slob, no slouch, no bum. Um, the guys made some special plays and showed some range. He can come up and tackle a little bit. He's not quite Marcus Williams, but, um, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be. So I think that that chess match is the most fun part to watch. How does Mike McDonald, who got a lot of buzz for what he did to the Bengals and for, really forced the Bengals to get better, the same way we talked about Patrick Mahomes, too high, too high. Yeah, the Bengals had to go through that same thing last year in part because of Mike McDonald. They started to get better and do those things and win, and then Mike McDonald goes to Cincinnati and really bullies them most of that game. Uh, you get a strong defensive effort when you're missing some guys still. So uh, the, the the key matchup here kind of to me is, is Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen in the middle of the field. Really, Roquan Smith has a lot of hatred from Bengals fans. Joe Burrow obviously is going to have eyes on him. He's got the, the Deloitte haircut, as you put it so eloquently. And it's time to, to see if that linebacker, that quarterback of your defense that you paid premium capital and premium cash, cold, hard cash for, can go steal a game against an opponent that's trying to figure things out as well that has given you a little bit of trouble. So again, I think if the Ravens can keep the Bengals from sustaining two long touchdown drives, they're going to be in a really good spot in this game. Okay. Anything else on this defense versus their offense? Orlando Brown Jr. revenge game. Adafi Owe versus oh, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. There. Huge. The, the, I love that. The pick that the Ravens used on Adafi Owe came in part because of Orlando Brown. So there you go. Brian, you're a big Orlando Brown Jr. guy. You just love all that he brings to the table and his flash and his flair and everything. Any words on that matchup? Yeah, that's that's a very well-documented love that I have for him. He's my guy. Um and uh, it'll be good to see him. Uh, I don't know. Like I, you just put those things in, in people's mouths sometimes, and I just don't know what to say sometimes. <laughs> just putting you in a pretzel is uh, yeah, what, just what? absolute pretzel. There's just nothing. You just put somebody in a corner like that. There's there's nothing they can really do. One, um, one of my great joys in life, especially when it comes I know to it's you're you're quite good at it. I got to give it to you. I listen. I try. Switching over to the other side of the ball, we've got uh, Lamar Jackson, who's had some interesting comments this week. You know, you had John Greenard coming out and talking about how the Texans kept him in the pocket, and that kind of worked to their advantage and everything. Lamar, does he care about running or winning? Probably running, right? You would definitely think that. So we've got that going on. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, kind of a quiet week. You've mentioned the undercooked appetizer things and Monken and OBJ kind of, I wouldn't say trading barbs in the press, but there's definitely like there, <laughs> there seems to be maybe not, not totally on the same wavelength there. So I don't know what's going on with that, but you know, I, I think it's all a little overblown. I think Beckham, uh, overall had a positive kind of reaction to week one, which is good. Uh, Mark Andrews status very much still up in the air. Like I think the quote literally from him on whether he's going to play in this game is God willing. Uh, so maybe they're still kind of ramping him up. We'll see what happens, but he's been practicing. And then as far as the injury report goes, it is uh, Stanley and Linderbaum still uh, still hanging on there as far as this offense goes. 
we did uh we did get a little bit of word that uh <laughs> something to the effect of that son of a bitch won't rule it out uh talking about tyler linderbaum and trying to play in this game so uh we'll certainly see what happens there but spenny thoughts on uh a strong lou anarumo defense you really got to give them credit for their turnaround there the last couple of years uh going up against this ravens offense that uh didn't look great last week yeah no jesse bates uh, no Von Bell there. Kind of felt like a lot of the identity of the Bengals defense over the last couple of years. You look at Trey Hendrickson. You look at uh, definitely DJ Reader. Their linebackers, their young linebackers have, have been rock solid. But Jesse Bates has been a, a big impact player, catalyst for that defense. Obviously, the Bengals drafted Dax, pardon me, Dax Hill last year out of Michigan in the first round. So him and Nick Scott making up that safety duo. Mike Hilton still in the slot. Cam Taylor-Britt, somebody that I was crazy high on coming out last year, uh, looked pretty physical last week. Jadobia Wouzier suffered an ACL last year. I think he's trying to rebound a little bit. Super talented. Probably one of the most underrated corners in the NFL before that. Um, then, you know, they've got the same guys up front. It's Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader, BJ Hill, Trey Hendrickson, Joseph Asai, Cam Sample. Uh, I mentioned those linebackers. And ultimately, you know, Jordan Battle, the Raven, or the, excuse me, the Bengals drafted. They have Miles Murphy rotating in, the, the young rookie out of Clemson a little bit. So, this unit is what they are. They uh, like to really create one-on-ones for Trey Hendrickson on pass downs if they can. They like to play some some basic zone coverage and ask you to go beat them. They're a defense that sits in a little bit more of a, a, a we'll say a less disguised back end and a more disguised front a lot of times. They like to have Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt come mug the A-gap, delay blitzes, two-level rushes, go, go skate through. And then the Ravens offense is going to have Sam Mustafer potentially. You do mention Tyler Linderbaum. You know, they're saying he won't rule it out. So that's why you draft a Tyler Linderbaum in the first round. He's an Iowa boy. He's corn fed. He, he throws bays of hail and he does not want to miss time. You love that. I feel like the Ravens offense needs that mentality. Uh, we realized earlier this week that basically the entire Ravens offense, save for the couple guys we mentioned, Kevin Zeitler, uh, Morgan Moses, Isaiah Likely, and Nelson Aguilar have missed I would say significant amount of time with injuries the last two years. So would love to see Tyler Linderbaum, you know, if, if he is able to play, uh, go, go rub some dirt on it. I think the Ravens could use a little bit of that fucking mentality after the last couple of years. So uh, curious to see how this offensive line looks. We have Odell Beckham and Todd Munkin, like you said, talking about the rust and the timing and snaps were fucked up and all this kind of stuff. So fix it, man. It's basic football. Uh, snap counts shouldn't be messed up in week one. I don't, I don't care. That's, that's very low level stuff that you would like to see executed from a $250 million quarterback. It was happening with Ronnie Stanley and Linderbaum, an all, all world left tackle, a first round highly touted center. Um, they pretty much were full go for the most part and they aren't getting the snap count down, things like that. So I think it'll take time for this offense to find their rhythm Pass rush wise, you got to get the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands, and uh, he's he's got to get the ball out too. I think the guys that need to have big big games for him are if Mark Andrews plays, Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, I'll say Justice Hill and Gus Edwards in the pass game need to be urgent. If you are an outlet, be an urgent outlet. Be available quickly. Have eyes back to Lamar Jackson quickly so that when he looks, you're looking at him, he can get the ball out. That will negate a pass rush. That will negate Trey Hendrickson lining up against freaking Pat McCary, who's a, a nice pass protector, but doesn't have a lot of length and is probably going to be isolated more in this offense. So I, I would love to see Pat Ricard get a heavy dose of usage like he did in the second half last week. Um, you know, let's let's 
run the ball a little bit. Let's dial up some, some zone concepts to the outside, get this defense moving laterally, and then try and throw the ball over their head. That's what I would love to see. I want to see some of those PA shots from under center. I think that uh, getting a, a deep shot to a Rashad Bateman or to maybe a Nelson Aguilar or uh, you know maybe an ancillary – I don't want to say Rashad Bateman's an ancillary player, but like get someone who's not Odell or Zay Flowers involved downfield. Zay Flowers is probably going to draw some attention a little bit. Odell Beckham's going to line up inside. Let's scheme open an Isaiah Likely downfield, something like that early in this game. Take a shot. See if you can kind of uh, get the Bengals' eyes wide, at least test them a little bit. So – like I said, they've got those young safeties in Dax Hill and um, Nick Scott. Test them, test them deep. Let them let them make a play, make them prove that uh, that that they can fill in the role for Jesse Bates. Yeah, it feels like kind of getting that quick game going is going to be an important part of this thing. I think uh, it's been something where you, we talked about it. I think it was either on the jumbo set or on the recap pod. Just Lamar Jackson just getting his eyes to those guys quicker that are in the flats or on the check down or on the Texas, whatever it might be. Just kind of get your eyes there and just let the ball out and put a little touch on it too. You know, let's let's get some touch on this thing. Let's not fire at 100 miles an hour and just try to make an extension of the run game through that as well as an extension of through your run game. And I want to see him personally take off and run a little bit more. I know he said he doesn't care about running, all that kind of stuff. He wants to pass. He's done that in week ones. We've, uh, we've heard all that kind of stuff. But there's been, you know, times in the last couple of years when we're in a stretch of a season where he's doing that during games. And it's just like, man, if you would just take this, you know, quick little 10 yard run and he had a few of them against the Texans, to be fair, if you would just take that first down lane, that's right in front of you and just live to fight another series or another set of downs and keep a series alive, then that could be very beneficial. So really all I want to see is just Anarumo has got a very solid defense. He's got some talented players at each level. Just take what's in front of you and don't overcomplicate this and see if you can get out of there with a win. It's going to be tough. You're a hand, handy, you know, handicapped offense, handcuffed a little bit of, as far as the offensive line goes. Uh, you know, Just show me something on the offensive side of the ball. Show me something in the passing game. But most importantly, just take what is in front of you. Brian, what do you want to see from this offense? I think that's a great point. Um, a lot of times I think he scrambles out and he just keeps his eye downfield for so long when there's just five, six, seven yards in front of him that can just make that next down easier. And I think um, I think more than anything, I want to see the timing of this offense really start to click. I think that was the biggest uh, hiccup um, last week. And I want to see them open up that middle of the field. Like, like Spen, you were talking a little bit about scheming that open. I think the seam is, is just a, an area of the field that they just didn't utilize at all in week one. Um, I want to see a little bit of that. And I'm curious to watch what that that snap share is at the running back position, given Dobbins' departure. Um, you know, Justice Hill seemed to really pick up the load um, in the second half there when Dobbins wow. went down. Um, I'm curious what that looks like when you um, you know you draw up you know your 15, 20 plays to start a game and and what the role is from there. Um, I think we all know that the skill set calls for Hill a little bit more on the third down situations. And I threw my little factoid out there. I think on the uh, instant analysis that Gus Edwards hasn't caught a regular season pass since what 2000? Is that what it was? The 2000 season? It's crazy. 23 it's years. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 2000. 2020 season. Um, so yeah, I, I want to see some more success running between the tackles. That probably means that would have been a very good joke if you just rolled with. Yeah, it. you should have just yeah. gone that. Him and Jamal Lewis yeah. were just a yeah. fucking thunder and lightning. Yeah. Shout out, uh, shout out Chester Holmes. Taylor back in the day. Pre, yeah, and Priest Holmes. Yeah, what what a backfield that was. Mm. I, I was thinking of the Jamal Lewis 20-year anniversary of him running for 295. And, and just seeing – I was looking through, like, the actual game sheet to see how many 
long runs he had. Just seeing Chester, I don't know what it is about Chester Taylor, but whenever I see his name, it just makes me smile. There was a there why. was a girl I was I was in elementary school with a girl named Taylor Chester at, at the time too, which was always always really funny. Chester Taylor, Taylor Chester. I I will always remember that. Great. Lewis is the fastest big man in space that's ever existed. He's literally like a fire hydrant with legs. Like it's bizarre, and he's like you are right. He's very fast, and he just sheds guys with ease. What what, he what like, a guy? Weird. He like. He like didn't have a third gear. He had like first, second, and then it was immediately fourth. He only he knew he only gear. had one mode, sicko. That's and listen, I watched a lot of Jamal Lewis tape in this last half a year, uh, and yeah, what 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 a pleasure to go back and check out because that guy, quite something. Almost you know, Gus Edwards not quite there, but maybe one day. I would love to what? see Gus throw the big pads on, throw <laughs> so, the big shoulder pads on, and just get downhill on some guys. Make them feel it. Someone has to do that. Maybe on like the Halloween weekend games, they allow players to like dress up like in in not like as old players, but like in the fashion that old players would like get a linebacker, like get uh, Roquan wearing like the cowboy collar and like the, you know, bandaged well, hands and stuff like that. That would be good. How does Barricard not wear a cowboy collar? He wants to be so sexy. He <sighs> yeah. he, he had an interview with, uh, I don't know, maybe Jonah Schaefer and the banner. It was one of one of the guys, the banner. And he was saying like, people think I'm a big. I'm like, he was like, he said the quote directly. It was like, I'm a big strong lean guy he was like basically saying like people call him fat because of drewski like that was what they were exactly talking about the drewski meme of like, or video of drewski like juking around in his construction gear he was like i'm a big strong athletic lean guy he don't, don't <laughs> pat, pat a little, don't don't fat shame well that's boy. why that's why he's not gonna wear the cowboy collar because i think he's a little bit of an e-boy you know he's kind of uh he's got the haircuts he's playing he's streaming on twitch he's sponsored by rain like i think he's a little bit of a new age fullback i think he wants to leave those old uh old stereotypes in the past that's an issue see this is my issue tyler linderbaum wants to rub dirt on it pat let's put the cowboy collar on let's roll come on baby four-time pro bowl i think um like any fashion thing, everything circles around, comes back into vogue. Basketball, the the short shorts were out for a long time, and then the last half decade or so, it's in vogue. And so we're due to have the cowboy collar, the big pads, the all that type of stuff. It's it's going to come back around. Who's going to be the first one to make take take that big step? It could be Pat Ricard. Is that why, why you wore uh, is that why you wore Jinkos to Camden Yards the other night? That's exactly why they're coming back. People are talking about it. Yeah. Okay. Somebody's got to do it. They do. He's got to take that up. Spenny, Mark Andrews, what does he do in this game if he plays? Has a gravity, a gravitational pull that opens things up to take some deep shots. Those young safeties, it is it is ingrained in every AFC North's North opponent's mind. We heard Jesse Bates say it in 2020. I mentioned the Ravens blow out Joe Burrow at home. Ravens offense, though, had a very sloppy performance in a rainy game. The Ravens just are the, the Seattle Ravens. They just play in rain. They just perpetually play in rainy games. It's great. I love it uh, because of the moratorium we had. I almost, I almost, I almost let the negativity get seep in there for a moment. But we didn't said, open the away. show. We didn't open the show with weather, which is a big, big step forward for us. Correct. That's correct. We do. We do love the. We're getting old, man. Uh, but they said take away eighty nine and fifteen. Like every. What do the Steelers say? Take away Mark Andrews. It is still ingrained in their brain. They are going to make the Ravens guilty until proven innocent. Until you beat us and light us up with someone else, we are going to take Mark Andrews away. We are going to do our damnedest to make sure that he doesn't go for eight and one fifteen. 
injury. I don't, I don't know. We, I'm, we, who knows how healthy he is, how not healthy he is from what we heard, you know, a little setback Friday uh, kept ended up knocking him off the path to play last week. So been limited this week, but again, it's just that gravity. I think Lamar Jackson feels more comfortable knowing he's on the field, man. Like I, I said, I think a week ago or something like that, you know, he's caught more passes from Lamar Jackson than the rest of the entire Ravens roster combined add another hundred to that. And it's Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson. So um, it'll be, give that comfortability. It'll give that safety valve underneath. They don't need him to be even their deep threat guy anymore. Like last year, they had to line him up against AJ Terrell against the Falcons. He had to go win on a speed release and generate an explosive play. They don't fucking need that. They need him to be a safety valve, work the middle of the field, catch cont contested balls and tight windows, move the chain, stuff like, like that. So Mark Andrews plays. I just want to see him be that safety valve. And I also think he's Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler <laughs> did not look good in line, did not look strong as in, in general tech, tech. They didn't look confident getting off the ball and shooting their hands and having a wide base and moving the line of scrimmage. So I know Mark Andrews is better than whatever we saw last week. Those guys need to step it up. Kohler, I'll give a little bit of a, uh, a grace because it's only his, I think it was only his second NFL game, third NFL game, whatever it was after his injury last year. So Likely needs to step it up. Uh, they're missing Josh Oliver right now. That's why Pat Ricard has to come in and play. So Isaiah Likely needs to hit that sled. We talk about, you know, jugs machines. No, I want Isaiah Likely on the sled every day, 20 minutes after practice. Cool. I guess that is all we've got on Ravens offense versus their defense. Sure to be a good matchup. The kicking game. Brian, what are you feeling about this Evan McPherson versus Justin Tucker matchup? Because I know, I know you're tracking that. I'm glad you came to this because this was my one big prediction. This is going to come down to a kick. It's going to come down to whoever has the ball last, and it's going to be us. And it's going to be Justin Tucker, who, by the way, needs one more 50-plus yard field goal to to tie Sebastian Janikowski for second most 50-plus yard field goals all time. Um, he's going to get it done, and it's going to be a sweet one after uh, after we wrap up a, a sweep of the Rays at the same time. Oh, about that. Look at you. Mm. All, just all the predictions mm. you're throwing out. Love Big that. vibes. The vibes are very high over here. Okay. So that's prediction pumpkin time. Pumpkin Spice Pumpkin Spice Banks is ready to have a fall. That's me. It. Yeah, what a basic bitch. He's wearing his, his Ugg boots and his, you know, Christian girl hat and his flannels and he's he's just predicting all sorts of all sorts of good oh, things, yeah. which is good to see. Going to statement the, necklace. When are we going to the pumpkin patch, Bebs? Mm. You and uh <laughs> You and you and the lady friend gonna be going. I see apple picking in a very oh, near. Oh, I was about for to you. say. Yeah, there'll be Brian's gonna be wearing that black and red flannel. He's gonna have a nice pair of Wranglers on. His finance fuckboy vest is gonna be on. I mean, it's just oh, gonna be yeah. yeah. That We're Patagonia Navy, that Navy Columbia vest. I got a, I got a text from her today. There's a there's a certain Christmas in there. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The windows were open today. Let's just say that. Um, okay, so what was your official prediction? You got the Ravens by three. High-scoring game, low-scoring game. What do you think? 22-19. Uh, mm. Love that. Love is, a is weird, that weird score. for you? I think it's very weird, and I like it. Gentle Spinneth. Everything this whole week has told me that the Ravens aren't going to win this game, and the one thing that, aside from, you know, whatever film I watch, whatever BS, was just Lamar Jackson be like, no excuses, and... The game, we watched that game last year. That's what happened in Baltimore. Brian, you just said Justin Tucker won it for the Ravens. That's what happened in Baltimore last year, 1917. I think the Ravens take this one. We're looking at a, let's see here, three and a half point spread last time I checked. 
I believe. I'm going to take the Ravens to win. I'm going to take the Ravens to cover. Ravens are currently on FanDuel, three-point underdogs. They're plus 142, over under 46.5. I'm going to go under 46.5. I'm going to go Ravens win, Ravens cover. I think I'm going to go Ravens 20, Bengals 15. Mm. Weird numbers. Trying no. my best for the weird numbers as usual. Ravens 20, Bengals 15. Big day Everything for McPherson. And my brain was telling me that they're going to, oh, the injuries, oh, blah, 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 blah. I think Lamar Jackson's excited, nervous. We'll see. I think it's going to be sloppy. Turnovers, sacks, fumbles. I like Brian's statement. Uh, you know, whoever has the ball last is, is going to be bringing this down to the wire. But Ravens do have a lot of healthy guys. And I think Roquan Smith has himself a day. Big day for Evan McPherson. Five field goals. That might be, listen, he might be the goat then if that were to happen. There might, might be a safety in there. He Who might knows? He might overtake Tucker. Yeah, there could there, be. There, there, there might be the uh, the old miss extra point, and then they try to chase that extra point, and True. they fail a two-point conversion. Thank you, Brian. True. You're yep. seeing the vision that I'm working with. Thank I you, the, Brian. I see the field. It's true. Okay. I'm just trying to trigger uh, trigger my friend below me there uh, with the, the, the goat kicker debate. Uh, but okay, you, you guys are both being positive. I will uh, be the stinky Davis then. I will. I have the free way to do it. I'm going to go Ravens. Take the L here. 21-20. I don't think it's going to be a skies falling type thing. It's just going to be like like we've been saying. Whoever gets the ball last, Bengals get it last. Evan McPherson, game-winning kick, just drives a stake right through Brian Black's heart. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it'll be a competitive game. I think this division, I still am going to have the Ravens winning it. Like I said, I've got the Ravens starting out two and three this year and you're, you got to take three L's and this is a good team to do it. Who's probably going to be in the mix, uh, for the AFC title. So yeah, slobber knocker in uh, Cincy is kind of what we're all predicting here. Both of you predicting a win, me predicting a loss, but, uh, nothing too catastrophic as far as that goes, boys, anything else before we get out of here? Just looking around lightly, a couple, couple over-unders before we get out of here. We've got uh, to score two-plus touchdowns, Joe Mixon plus 480, Lamar Jackson plus 700, Zay Flowers plus 1,900. I, I want to go with a little, if, if Mark Andrews is available on there, I might go with a little two-touchdown day for Mark When's Jackson. the last time Lamar Jackson scored two touchdowns in a game? I, he's done it. Ran, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I can't remember the last time he, he ran for two touchdowns. I think he did it as a rookie, but I can't remember since. He may have gone for three passing, two rushing against the Chiefs a couple years ago. Yeah, he, yeah. When he ran for yeah, that was flipped in. Yeah, Casey. I think you might be right, Brian. I think he's thinking I'm of thinking the 2021 when when they beat them and he flipped into the yeah. end zone and hurt his hurt his butt cheek. Yeah. strip. I know yeah. he ran one in where he hit, he juked out Tyron Matthew. I think he threw another to John Brown. I can't remember in uh, in 2019 there. That was a weird game. Joe Joe Mixon 55 and a half over under rushing yards wise receiving yards. The highest is Jamar Chase with 79 and a half. I might I might I might take that actually. I might take the over on that. Lamar Jackson's over under passing yards wise 216 and a half. Very very low. Joe Burrow 259 and a half there. So just a couple a couple props to play with. I think I'm probably going to take a little little Jamar Chase over a little Lamar Jackson passing yards over. Might, might throw a Mark Andrews anytime touchdown score if he's healthy. Throw that down Plays, right now. I should say. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, very nice. Thank you for running through that for us. I will be sure to be taking a look at the board. But uh, that is another preview show in the books approaching the 45-minute uh, mark here. Keeping these things nice and tight, which you know I like. Uh, so yeah, hope everyone has a, uh, a great weekend covering the game. Shout out to all our sponsors, Jimmy's famous seafood presenting, uh, for us here, as well as fed thrill sunglasses, check out their website, fed thrill sunglasses, uh, and use the promo code exit 52 for 10% off your next purchase. Still very sunny. 20. 
20. How about 20%. that? Okay, 20%. This, That's news to me. It doesn't really play for me. That's news to me, outfit, but, I, but I like it. 20% off, so it's an even better deal. It's still very much sunny season. Like I said, I had the windows cracked. We're below 80s for the uh, the next week or so that I saw mm. on the uh, the weather app, which is huge. But I, so- I saw a five. I saw five as a low. Ooh, Crisp. Crispy. We like, we like that. Yeah, very crispy, very sunny still, so go get those sunglasses. Uh, Black Eyed Susan Spices as well. Check them out. That is a 10% offer on your first purchase. Uh, and go to blackoutsusanspices.com and uh, check out all their offerings. A lot of good stuff there as well. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. You can follow the show on social media at XF52Podcast on Twitter. I am at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-E. Spencer is at Ravens 4 Dummies. That is the number four. Brian is at Barstool Banks. Also follow Taylor at TaylorSmythe10 or at Maryland Terrapins or whatever it is. Uh, and then Eric at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. Thank you guys as always, and we will talk to you very soon. See ya. Arrivederci.